Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> ah, hello there. So wonderful to see you returned once again to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, your last chance to visit the shop in the year 2021 as we get ready for a brand new year 2022, uh, just days away. And I thought it would be very apropos to take a look at something very special. Now, this item is not old by any stretch of the imagination, but it will go down in history and it will go down in antiquity. It is a calendar of 2021, and I thought this is a perfect way to take a look back at the year that was 2021 and present it to you in the way we do here at Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. So let's take a look at 2021, a curious year in review. Now, 2021 was a special year for Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop because this was the year that Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop became a thing. I've been in radio for many years, and because of a bit of an advancement in my radio career, I was inadvertently taken off the air and doing more uh, what we call in the radio business production work. I'm a production director. I facilitate the creation of commercials, sometimes writing them often producing them and voicing them myself. So that's kind of my behind-the-scenes job in radio now. But uh, my first love has been and always will be being on the air. I was on the air for 20-plus years before they took me off. So uh, a little bittersweet, uh, you know, it's always nice to, to get promotions and move up in the world. But, you know, when you've been doing for something, uh, something that you love for so long, it does kind of, uh, it does kind of, great on the soul. So, you know, looking for other avenues to do creative things, I got into uh, doing a blog. I did a food blog for quite some time and I thought, well, you know, why don't I take this food blog and turning it into, uh, I wanted to do like this multifaceted, uh, doing videos, doing writing, doing audio. I did a podcast. I've got a podcast for this food uh, blog that I started and it all became very much, I got burnt out on it really quick, uh, trying to do too many things by myself. Uh, if you want to check it out, Foodpocalypse Now, we're kind of in the midst of getting this uh, this podcast up and running. I've kind of put the Foodpocalypse Now stuff on the back burner, but uh, we are going to, we're reinventing it and doing something else kind of more along the lines of a podcast and working, uh, using that within conjunction of the uh, Instagram page and the Facebook page and kind of paring down what I'm doing as far as that. But I really decided I wanted to do something something fun, something I really love that didn't seem so much like work, like I was doing, trying to do so many different things all by myself with the food blog. So I thought, you know what? I love the bizarre. I love the curious. I love movies and music and television shows that have to do with, as we talk about all the time on here, horror, fantasy, and science fiction. So I thought, I want to do a podcast where I can talk about those things that I love to watch and listen to. And that's how Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop was born. We started this back in August of this year and started out, it was a weekly thing. Then quickly, I realized that I couldn't keep up with all the content that was out there. So we decided to do uh, two episodes a week and it's been going gangbusters ever since. 
And we've got to talk a lot about uh, some of the movies I've loved. I've got to you know, watch a lot of great movies and, and TV series for enjoyment, for the pleasure of it, because I love horror, fantasy, and sci-fi. But it really was it was an excuse. Hey, honey, I've got to gotta watch this for the podcast. Uh, sorry, I'm going to go watch a movie. Uh, my wife is not a big fan of horror, so <laughs> she makes me go to see the horror movies in the movie theater by myself. But it was it's it's been so fun. Uh, we haven't even been doing this a full year. Uh, you know, just... Uh, under half a year we've been doing this, but uh, I've put out a lot of uh, interesting things, I think. Hopefully you feel the same, and looking forward to more in the future. Now, we're going to use this episode to kind of look back at some of, the, some of the things I enjoyed the most in 2021 and some of the things I enjoyed the least in 2021. And 2021 was a big year for movies, especially some horror a lot of you know superhero comic book type movies and I saw some of my favorites this year. Now we never got to do an episode on this. Uh, I actually did one for my food blog. It's it's very complicated as to my justification for that. But uh, I never got to talk about this movie on Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, but A Quiet Place 2 came out early in 2021 and it was such a great movie uh, a great follow-up to the original John Krasinski uh, outdid himself yet again it was nice that of course the character his character killed off in the first movie it was nice that they were to be able to bring him back into this family element in this family setting uh, through flashbacks so it was really cool and I, I thought he did a fantastic job of taking the kind of movie that is made for uh, screams and scares and things like that and turning it on its head uh, taking the alien invasion subgenre of science fiction and turning it on its head by making it so people couldn't talk and it was just a fantastic idea and he really doubled down on that in the second movie the sequel to it and really looking to see where the future holds for this uh, franchise with A Quiet Place so looking forward to A Quiet Place 3 another one of my favorite movies of 2021 is a movie I actually just saw it was spider-man no way home now uh the spider-man franchise uh i've enjoyed it i've enjoyed the tom holland version of spider-man but it always kind of bugged me that uh, they really and we talked about this in the episode about spider-man no way home i I hated the fact that they were like advancing uh the spider-man suit was all stark tech and you just didn't get that kid flying around new york on a web with a spandex suit and no technology and no help from the Avengers and just your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And while you didn't get this through this whole movie, the movie ended that way. And it made me excited for this franchise. I like Tom Holland as Spider-Man. I liked what they were doing with the stories in the previous two Spider-Man movies. And of course, what they did through the bulk of this one with the multiverse angle. But uh, to see them take Spider-Man back to its roots uh, made me really excited for the future, and it really was a good movie. It was nice to see them bring back uh, Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire, and and like I said, Tom Holland. Uh, I'm a big fan of what he's been doing with Spider-Man, so that really was uh, one of my favorite movies of the year. Another one was a horror movie that I had been anticipating for quite some time. It got delayed because of COVID, and we finally got Antlers in 2021 and to me this is like the traditional scary monster movie 
uh, you know, it dealt with the Wendigo, which is a subject that's been dabbled in in other movies, but I don't recall bigger theatrical released horror films that focused on the Wendigo as the primary antagonist for the movie. And of course, it's based on a short story. We talked about that in the episode. The short story is really interesting. Uh, they expanded that story in this movie and... I, I thought it was great. Carrie Russell was fantastic. The little kid that played, uh, I can't remember his name right offhand, but like I said, we talk about it in the episode we did on Antlers. Uh, he did a fantastic job. Uh, don't know if they're going to do a sequel to it. I don't think it needs a sequel. I think I think just leaving it with the ambiguous ending that they did uh, was would be smart, but it, it was just a, a uh, a fun, if you, if you can call a horror film full of monsters and scares fun, uh, but it was it was fun in the sense that it was everything you love about a, a creepy, atmospheric, scary monster movie. And that's why that was one of my favorites of 2021. Another one of my favorites of 2021 was Dune. Of course, everybody's been looking forward to this. Now, the 1984 version of Dune was very, uh, you know, there's there are some real big fans of it that have like a cult-like following to it. But then there's a lot of people like me that wanted to like it more than I did. It was just very confusing. And the technology wasn't where it needed to be in 1984 to really do this story justice. And they finally did that. Denis Villeneuve uh, did a fantastic job with this. Timothy Chalamet uh, did a spectacular job. The all-star cast did a great job. It was just very accessible for the layman and the person who is maybe the casual fan they know of dune 1984 never read the books kind of like me uh, i never read the books uh i watched dune in 84 but really didn't uh it wasn't what i was hoping it would be as far as a space odyssey a space opera if you will and what they did with this new version of doom was made it accessible it wasn't as confusing as the first one they you know david lynch did a lot with inner monologues and telepathy and and all that sort of thing that's in the books, but uh, just didn't really play well on the screen. And I think uh, Denis Villeneuve uh, did a spectacular job with making this understandable for the lay fan, for the casual Dune fan. And I can't wait for part two, which should be coming out. I don't know if it's coming out in 2022 or, or 2023, but uh, that should be coming out soon. Uh, so really excited about that. Now, those are just a few of my favorite movies. There were a lot of really good movies. And if you want to hear my thoughts on those, uh, you can go back to some of the old episodes and, and hear exactly what I thought of, of a lot of the movies in the last half of uh, 2021. A couple of my not-so-favorite movies of 2021 first on the list has to be halloween kills and now i wanted to like this i wanted to like the first one halloween 2018 but uh i just as as being a huge halloween fan and being as as jacked up as the original continuity was and as kind of off the off the path that they took that film franchise i i'm really tired of the constant reboots and and i thought okay i'm gonna be on board with this they're taking it back they're ignoring everything after the original halloween and okay go and i just i just couldn't get into it because they've changed the michael myers character enough that it just to me feels more like a Friday the 13th movie than a Halloween movie. And it felt like 
you know, we're trying to start from scratch, but we're going to spend all our time paying homage to all the previous films and little Easter eggs to all the previous films. Well, if you're trying to forget about those previous films and you're trying to do a film that disregards all of those previous films after the original Halloween, then stop bringing up all of that stuff so people are constantly reminded, oh yeah, that's right, there are these other films that I enjoyed for all their warts and for all their faults. Uh, I enjoy these films much better. So uh, just Halloween Kills was a big fail. It doesn't mean I'm not interested to see what they're going to do with Halloween Ends. I will watch that coming up uh, in, in October of 2022, but it's more a means to an end. I want this David Gordon Green film trilogy to end and see if if they're going to continue the Halloween series or if they're going to literally kill it off with Halloween ends and just see what they're doing with this so I can either expect another reboot or I can just forget about future Halloween films and enjoy the ones that from the past that I really like. Essentially, Halloween's one through six. So yeah, Halloween kills uh, a big disappointment. And there was another bit of a disappointment. I wasn't disappointed by many movies I saw this year in 2021. But I have to say, uh, as much as I wanted to like Nightmare Alley, the more I think about it and the more it sits with me, uh, the more disappointed I was in this movie. It was a return to the director's chair for Guillermo del Toro, who I have the utmost respect for and the utmost love for. I mean, all of his movies are just so good. And it's not that this was a bad movie. It just lacked all of the things that I love about a Guillermo del Toro movie. It kind of had this cool film noir feel to it, set in the 40s, uh, set in the carnival setting where carnival, you know, sideshow things are are always kind of creepy, but it lacked any supernatural elements to it, which I think is kind of a hallmark of Guillermo del Toro's work. And when you take that out of it, it, like I said, it was a good movie. It just wasn't the movie I was hoping it would be, and it wasn't the movie I was kind of expecting it to be with Guillermo del Toro's name tagged as the director. So uh, it was it was a movie that, like I said, it wasn't bad. It, it felt more like Guillermo del Toro trying to win another Oscar is what it felt like. The characters are interesting. The look and the tone of it is interesting. It did play a little long. Uh, it, it felt a little longer than it needed to be. Um, but other than that, it just lacked a lot of the Guillermo del Toro-ness of it all that I I was really hoping for with this movie. So there's a look at some of the movies I really loved and didn't love so much in 2021. Now, TV was a different story for 2021. There were enough horror, fantasy, and science fiction television shows and series and streaming uh, services that... Uh, you could fill up a whole year plus some with reviews on on all the great horror television that was out there. Whether it was, uh, maybe not so much network television. Uh, I'm always, network television when it tries to dabble into horror fantasy and sci-fi, it always feels a little uh, cheap and cringeworthy. But a lot of the streaming services uh, had some great shows. A lot of the uh, places like uh, HBO Max and Showtime and stuff had some really good shows. So there was a lot out there. 
And right off the bat, one of my favorites, uh, speaking of networks, maybe not a network television show, but a cable show that I just absolutely enjoyed more than I ever expected I would was the Chucky series on sci-fi. This really, uh, like I said, I've been a little disenfranchised with the Chucky Child's Play franchise for quite some time. Uh, essentially after stopped playing Child's Play movies and they started leaning into the Chucky stuff, Bride of Chucky, uh, Seed of Chucky, that got a little hokey. And I didn't even watch the stuff like Curse of Chucky and Cult of Chucky, which from what I understand are maybe taking Chucky back to its roots, which I would have enjoyed, but because of Bride of Chucky and Seed of Chucky, I, I, didn't, I didn't care if I watched it. Now these are movies I'm going to go back and watch, uh, especially because a lot of these, all of these movies, Movies are referenced in one way or another in this new Chucky series. I so much enjoyed it because it made Chucky scary again. He's still good with the quick quips and the snarky little comments as he's killing people, but it got hokey and Chucky felt like he was being played more for laughs than horror and fright in, in some of the movies, like Bride of Chucky, Seed of Chucky, stuff like that. Uh, so it was nice to see Chucky back to being this homicidal maniac trapped inside of a doll's body. The cast is really good. The young actors they got for this uh, did a spectacular job. Uh, Brad Dourif, uh, Fiona Dourif are in this. Uh, Jennifer Tilly, the guy that plays the little kid in the original Child's Play back. It just, uh, they brought back so many of the, the original characters and actors and then introduced us to these new characters and actors, these young kids that are, are going to be the future of the franchise you know, through this, this television series. It was just a, a really great way to reinvigorate the franchise and do it in a way that kind of is a soft reboot but doesn't disregard or forget the films that got us to this point, which I thought was a, a brilliant thing uh, for them to do. Another one of my favorite shows that came across uh, on Netflix was Midnight Mass. In 2021, we got introduced to Midnight Mass, and it really was a great uh, vehicle for for this type of vampire story. You know, you've got this small island that... Is very secluded. It's a very secluded society and and network of people on this island. And to have a vampire brought into the midst and, and all the horror that can happen from it. It's a slow burn type of show, as we talked about in the episode on Midnight Mass. But I, I loved it because it was very, it wasn't a Stephen King uh, story, but it felt very King-esque. King likes to do these uh, secluded islands with horrific things happening on them, and that's really what they they doubled down on in this with Midnight Mass. Uh, it just had, you know, the beginning it uh, eerie, atmospheric, bizarre, what's going on, and then the horror of this vampire creature, and, and then there's a lot of metaphor to it as well about cults and religion and and things of that nature. So just there was a lot to enjoy about Midnight Mass that uh, that made it one of my favorite shows of 2021. Another one of my favorite shows in 2021 was a series finale. Of course, season three of Lost in Space came out, and I really loved this series. Uh, we talked about it at great length in the episode on Lost in Space, kind of the series and season recap, but this really took the great idea of the original 
TV series from back in the 60s and made it accessible for today's viewer. You know, it, it made it more adventure It made it full of special effects and, and good CG work. And there's some some questionable CG work, but the better CG work far outweighed the, the questionable stuff. Uh, they used a lot of practical effects too, with like the robot uh, having a guy in a costume essentially, which I, I thought was a very cool way to, you know, they could have easily just done all CG for the robot, but they, they chose not to. They chose to do it practical for the most part. And that just brought a lot of heart to it. And that's really what this show is all about. It's, it's about science fiction and it's about space and exploration and creatures and and danger and and all this stuff but it's also about the family unit and the heart of the family and and that you know it, you may call it sentimental and sappy make it feel good whatever but that really made it uh such a fun and enjoyable show to watch that you could sit down and watch you know by yourself or you could sit down and watch it with the family. It, it was that that type of show. It's sad to see it end, but uh, I'm glad they I'm glad they did it this way, where they had a set. You know, we're doing this three seasons. We're gonna end it the way we want to, and 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 not just let Netflix decide they want to cancel the series before they've ever really wrapped things up. So I, I was really happy with the the show the season three finale, and and the series in its entirety. Now, a show that uh, I have not reviewed yet on here. I've recorded my review. I just haven't posted it yet. It was supposed to be up uh, this past Monday after Christmas, but due to some scheduling issues and whatnot, I uh, wasn't able to post it, but it is going to be coming up this coming Monday, our first episode of the new year, and it is uh, a recap of The Witcher Season 2. And it really is uh, one of my favorite shows out there right now. Even just two seasons in, I thought it's 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 such an interesting story. You know, you've got so much uh, history to draw off of with the with the book series that this is based on. You know, there's a lot in the video game series, which is kind of a sequel to the book series, and this is kind of a great thing in between it. Uh, I really enjoy uh, the stories, the characters. Uh, I can't wait for more. And we are going to get more. I believe they've greenlit uh, a third season, maybe even a fourth season after this. But uh, you can find all my thoughts about The Witcher Season 2 in our upcoming episode on Monday. But the first season, we were really introduced to these characters. Now we're being introduced to the stakes of this story and where this story is headed and why we are invested in this story. And that's really what you have to look forward to in Season 2. Also, if you are looking for... <laughs> All the nudity and sex with Geralt, uh, you know that's big in the game. I don't know so much about the books, but uh, you don't get as much of that in season two as you do in season one. So if you're looking at uh, looking for Geralt to be banging a bunch of chicks and boobies flying everywhere, uh, kind of like we got in season one, that's that's not where the story goes in season two. Uh, you gotta you gotta be ready for some character development in season two. Another one of my favorite shows that I really actually got to enjoy with my wife. My wife is not a big fan of horror. She she digs some fantasy, but it's got to be something special. Science fiction, she doesn't really care so much about. But 
we both thought that this show Shadow and Bone looked interesting. And again, based on another book series. And we both got into it and it was it was so fascinating. It's this kind of mix of science and kind of steampunk technology and magic. It was just an interesting world. And, and I like what they did because really the book series, there's the book series proper, then there's a prequel series. And they kind of intertwine the two and intertwine the characters from the two to make this series so if you're a fan of the book series it's something different if you've never read the book series it's it's still just as good and enjoyable so uh, I've, I've really been a big fan of shadow and bone the acting and the characters are, are fantastic and it left you again wanting more after the the season finale of, of season one it made me wonder okay what's going on uh, where are these characters going to go especially knowing that i can't rely solely on the books and looking up the wikipedia page for the books and to, to find out where the story is going because like i said they've intertwined these characters from the book series proper and the sequel series so it, you know it really uh, makes for an interesting interesting way to tell this story and and i've enjoyed it quite a bit uh, another group of shows that i have enjoyed in 2021 more than i thought i would are the marvel disney plus shows wandavision falcon winter soldier loki uh, hawkeye and the what if series i've enjoyed those all wandavision really set up the future of the multiverse for the mcu which is a big thing right now falcon and winter soldier set up falcon played by anthony mackie who's a fantastic i just love everything i see him in set him up as the new captain america loki again doubled down on the multiverse thing and kind of made him the anti-hero that that we all love about him uh, hawkeye was really cool bringing the kingpin back in to the the MCU with Vincent D'Onofrio playing him from the Daredevil Netflix series and then the what if again doubling down on the multiverse aspect and to do it in an animated series was was really cool because there was a lot of cool animated series out this year but this was one I enjoyed and my wife actually enjoyed this uh, quite a bit as well they it almost felt uh, a bit like the the rotoscope animation where they draw on top of live actors they use a lot of the the original MCU actors for some of these roles so they didn't you know some of the some of the actors couldn't be there to to record their lines but but it is actually just a, a very interesting way to look at the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the stories that they've told the, thus far in a different way in in how it would play out in another universe and it's just that whole line of Disney plus Marvel TV series has been uh, something that I didn't think I was going to enjoy as much as I actually did in 2021. Now there are a couple of shows that I just really didn't care for in 2021 uh one of the most recently i did an episode on this was hellbound of course right now netflix and the netflix viewing audience is super 
into South Korean films and series, thanks to Squid Game. Squid Game, I thought, was a very interesting concept. It was done in that kind of not quite opulent way that you get in a lot of Asian films, but it's very full of bright colors and fantastical things. And it was really an interesting idea about these people being collected uh, because they're down on their luck to play this game and possibly win rewards, but the cost of losing is dying. So it, it was a really interesting thing and I, I quite enjoyed it. So like any any good studio or what have you, uh, they're looking for the next the next big thing. And since Squid Game was a South Korean film, they're looking to find their next Squid Game in any South Korean property that comes along. Now Hellbound came out and I think based on the hype of Squid Game, I think a lot of people watched it, but you didn't hear as much about it in the media about you know squid game uh had massive audiences hellbound even outdid those audiences but you didn't hear as much about it and i think a lot of it had to do that with the fact that the the cg was lackluster in hellbound it was an interesting story an interesting concept uh you know the characters were interesting uh, the fact that they did a bit of a time jump was weird and kind of, it, it felt like two stories within one sort of universe in regards to what's going on with characters being bound for hell and these creatures coming and taking them there. It, it did, though, leave you with enough answered questions to keep you hooked, but it left enough questions unanswered that you wonder where things are going to go for the second season. So it, it wasn't a bad series. It just, there were a lot of things that I just didn't enjoy about it, and the CG was one of those. Uh, the CG was was just not good at all. It had a couple good characters. It had a few good characters, but it also had some characters that seemed a bit over the top. It also jumping the storyline. You just get invested in these characters in the first three episodes, and then the next three episodes, it's a totally new set of characters, and it just felt quite disconnected. Uh, I enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to seeing how the story plays out in the next season, but it wasn't one of my favorite TV shows of 2021. Another one of my least favorite TV shows of 2021 was a show I never really got to do a proper review on because I watched this long before I started Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. But I was really stoked about the idea of this, the show Them on Amazon Prime. Of course, it's they're doing this in the way that American Horror Story does an anthology series where each season is its own story. And I like that idea. I like the idea that they were doing this with the black cast. Uh, this was going to be stories uh, much like horror noir, where it's going to be horror stories told through the lens of uh, of black Americans. And, and I think that's interesting. I, I think that opens the door to new experiences in horror. It opens the door towards new stories and new storytellers and new actors in horror. So I, I really love the idea of this. Now, the story itself in season one, of them uh, left a lot to be desired. The actors were really good. I enjoyed all the acting in this. The actors were spectacular. It was the story that really seemed a bit disjointed. It didn't make sense. It was very much a all white people were racist and that's not true. That's not how white Americans are. 
I hate to be contrary to the story they were trying to tell, but that's just not how things are. To say one group of people is all this and one group of people is nothing but that, that's just, that's ignorant. And, and I thought this story had a lot of potential, but it just didn't seem to make sense in a lot of ways. The the way they connected the beginning of the story, kind of the, the there's a bit of the story that's a, a prequel to what's going on in the now. Uh, that was interesting and horrific and, and a great jumping off point for this story. But the way they connected it to how it ended and the experiences the family is having in this house just seemed... Like there was no connective tissue, not enough connective tissue to make it compelling or interesting. Uh, like I said, the actors were fantastic. The dir- it wasn't even so much the direction that I thought the direction was fine. The tone and the look of the series or the season was was really good. I, I was visually stunning and and visually interesting to watch. Just the story was not there. And I hope if. They get a second season of them. I hope they kind of correct that. I hope they spend a little more time on the story and making it a little more cohesive. Uh, you know, there were definitely some jump scares and there were some definitely horrific elements. The The little girl and some of her experiences in this were, were frightening. Uh, so it's not that it lacked for horror. It just lacked for a good cohesive story, I felt. Like I said, I'm looking forward to uh, another season of them. And hopefully, like I said, they can kind of uh, tie up the loose ends on the story and make sure the story is locked down and, and solid and tight. And then I think they could have a really good series on their hands. Now, 2021 was also very interesting because there was a lot of cool animation. We kind of talked a little earlier about uh, the What If series on Disney+, Plus, uh, a very cool animated series. Uh, one animated series that I just have been in love with since it started was Castlevania. And we got Castlevania Season 4, which wrapped up the storyline that they were telling in Castlevania with the uh, Trevor Belmont, Saifa, Alucard storyline. And it was a great homage to the Castlevania video games, especially Castlevania 3 and and the characters in that. They did it in a very anime-type style of animation, which I enjoyed that it was it was traditional animation and not just all CG because you get a lot of animation now just everything's all CG and I really enjoyed the fact that they did this in a traditional animation. The only time I've really enjoyed CG animation is they did the the new Transformers series on Netflix, the three part Transformers series. Uh, I'm excited for things to come with that because that while it's CG, it lends itself to. Uh, the robots in Transformers, and I really enjoyed that series as well. But Castlevania, they're going to do a fifth season, but they're going to do a bit of a time jump and kind of go in in a different direction with different characters from the Castlevania storyline. Uh, I can't remember right offhand which characters, uh, Christopher Belmont maybe, but it's going to be set a, a little further in the future. We may still see an appearance from Alucard. Uh, I'm really excited to see what's to come, but uh, the Castlevania series, uh, seasons one through four, was really, really fun as a fan of the video games and a fan of the characters. It was a fun animated series. Masters of the Universe, uh, not only did Transformers get a bit of a, 
uh, reboot and, and reinvigorated cartoon series or animated series uh, this year. But we also got that with Masters of the Universe. And none other than Silent Bob himself, Kevin Smith, directing and doing this. And it was it was everything I hoped it could be and more. Now, there's a, a crappier version of He-Man out right now on Netflix as well that I... It just the animation looks stupid. I'm going to just be quite honest with you. It looks dumb. It's big and blocky and chunky. And I, I hate that style of animation. But Kevin Smith's Masters of the Universe Revelation uh, really paid tribute. It was still in kind of that anime style, but really paid uh, tribute to the traditional He-Man and the Masters of the Universe cartoon. It was a direct sequel of that of sorts. And it paid great homage to the, the toy line. And one of the things that I loved is He-Man always has that kind of harness on his chest. And when you're a kid, uh, it didn't come with a, a sheath for the sword. So you just tuck the sword in the little clasp in the back of that, uh, that the harness that He-Man wears on his chest. And that's exactly how He-Man wears his sword in this in this cartoon and i thought that was just a great nod to the the toys and the kids who grew up playing with those toys it was a great nod to the the toy line and a great nod to the original he-man animated series and it's very updated for a 2021 audience i mean kevin smith was very aware to do a he you know it kind of plays a little down with the patriarchy girl power sort of vibe to it i i really hope in the next season, we get to see He-Man be He-Man and be the hero of the story. But but in this in this iteration, Tila is a big player. Evil Lynn is a big player. And I didn't mind that. But I hope at some point He-Man gets to be He-Man. And I, regardless, uh, have done nothing but enjoy the uh, Masters of the Universe Revelation series from Kevin Smith in uh, 2021. Another animated series, uh, The Witcher, Nightmare of the Wolf, was... Not a series, but uh, just over an hour long animated special that kind of links uh, season one and season two of the Netflix Witcher series. And of course, it is a, a bit of a prequel. You get to see a lot of things in that that are going to be referenced in the Witcher season two. Characters like Vesemir, the, uh, the elf. Philandrel, or I can't remember exactly, I'm probably butchering his name, uh, there in this. The Kaer Morin and the way Kaer Morin is in the state that it's in in season two. It, it talks about that and shows why that happened. It was it was a really good animated series. Again, done in that kind of anime style. Felt very much, the animation felt very much like the Castlevania animation and was just a, a real fun intermediate piece of adventure to watch between The Witcher Season 1 and The Witcher Season 2. You don't have to watch that if to see Witcher Season 2, but it helps. Things will make a lot more sense. And of course, there was a couple series for the fans of horror that I really enjoyed. Of course, Behind the Monster on Shudder was a fantastic documentary series that kind of took a look at some of the iconic figures in horror. Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, Freddy Krueger, Pinhead, all these iconic characters in, in horror and kind of delved into how these characters came about 
and the movies that they're in. And that was a fun series to watch. I'll be interested to see what they do with season two because there's definitely some some characters they left out. Uh, Leatherface, as much as I cannot stand the Scream series, the Ghost Killer, uh, Jigsaw. You were probably going to see a lot more of the newer horror icons, which I, I'm not as big on as I am some of the classic ones. Uh, like I said, Freddy, Jason... Uh, Michael Myers, Chucky, Pinhead, but but it was it's a very interesting series. You know, a lot of stuff for all of us horror fans. We we know a lot of the stuff. We've heard a lot of the stories, but it's it's really cool to to get some other little tidbits of information that maybe we we didn't know. And in the creation of some of these characters, things we didn't know. Uh, another thing, uh, the movies that made us uh, their latest season on Netflix focused a lot on the horror of of the 80s michael myers freddy aliens so that was another really cool series that delved a lot into horror and science you know the 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 movies that made us are all about those great movies of the 80s and you know the 80s was full of science fiction and horror and fantasy so you get a lot of good stuff but it was really cool that they focused a lot on the the horror movies of the 80s in this latest season now it wouldn't be a year in review if we didn't talk about some of those that we lost in 2021 uh, a bit of an in memoriam segment on our curious year in review and we lost a lot of, of people in the world of horror fantasy and sci-fi uh, some maybe expected some who lived long lives and full careers some maybe had their career cut short but here's a list of some of the some of the actors and directors and actresses who who we lost in 2021. Of course, Ed Asner passed away at the age of 91. Of course, he's known for uh, being a part of Outer Limits episodes. He was on the X-Files. He was a, a lead role in The Invaders back in the 60s. He did a lot of voice work uh, on superhero animation, especially uh, in Gargoyles and the 94 version of Spider-Man. We lost him. We lost Ned Beatty, uh, 83 years old. Of course, he played Otis in Superman 1 and 2. He was Edwards in The Exorcist 2. Uh, he was also in the 1988 movie, The Unholy. A huge blow to the world of uh, horror, fantasy, and sci-fi was the loss of director Richard Donner at the age of 91. Of course, Donner, known for his work with Superman, The Goonies, Lady Hawk, he did the Lethal Weapons series, just uh, an icon when it came to fantasy and science fiction. Of course, he did the Twilight Zone episodes. He did some other, you know, a lot of TV work as well as his work in movies. As a producer, he produced The Lost Boys, The Omen 3, Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight, the X-Men movie, X-Men Origins Wolverine. Just, uh, just a lot of work as a director and producer in Hollywood and uh, definitely going to be sorely missed. Hal Holbrook. Of course, he was in the Creep Show movie. He was in the crate with Adrian Barbeau and Fritz Weaver. Also a part of The Fog. He played Father Malone in The Fog. He was in 1988's The Unholy. Passed away at the age of 95. Yafet Kodo, of course, we know him from Alien as Dennis Parker. Uh, passed away at the age of 81. He was in The Running Man. The sci-fi version of The Puppet Masters. Also a doc in Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. Uh, Cloris Leachman passed away at the age of 94. Of course, known for Young Frankenstein. 
thing. She did episodes in One Step Beyond and the Twilight Zone Night Gallery, even the 2003 version of uh, Twilight Zone. Of course, she was in one of my favorite episodes of Twilight Zone. It's a good life. She played Mrs. Fremont. Uh, they did a, a revised version of that. It's still a good life in 2003's version of the Twilight Zone that she reprised her role in that. Helen McCrory passed away at the age of 52. Of course, she was in Harry Potter as Narcissa Malfoy. Christopher Plummer, huge iconic name in the world of Hollywood, passed away at 91. Of course, he was in Vampire in Venice, Star Trek VI, Dolores Claiborne, 12 Monkeys, Dracula 2000. Author Anne Rice, known for her Vampire Chronicles series, Interview with Vampire, Queen of the Damned, passed away at 80, uh, not too terribly long ago. Tanya Roberts passed away at the age of 65. Of course, we all know her from James Bond, The View to a Kill, and the, one of my favorite uh, fantasy films of the 80s, The Beastmaster with Mark Singer. Dean Stockwell, uh, a champion of horror and fantasy, sci-fi, that sort of stuff, passed away at the age of 85. Of course, he was in the 1984 version of Doom, did some Twilight Zone, of course, known for Quantum Leap back in the, the late 80s, early 90s. Melvin Van Peebles passed away at the age of 89. Of course, he was in the 97 uh, Shining miniseries, played Dick Halloran. If anybody could... Uh, meet the expectations. Of course, Scatman Carruthers played Dick Halloran in the Stanley Kubrick is Shining and just played it perfectly. If anybody could meet that level and maybe even exceed it a little bit, it was Melvin Van Peebles. Michael K. Williams died tragically at the age of 54. Of course, you know him from the 2014 version of RoboCop. He was in the 2016 version of Ghostbusters. But I think where he really shined the most was his role in Lovecraft Country on HBO. Uh, just a, a fantastic series, and his work really shined in that series. Uh, from the world of rock and roll and metal, of course, uh, I'm a huge fan of the band Metal Church, and, and a lot of their lyrics and a lot of their songs delved into you know fantasy and, and that sort of thing. Uh, passed away at the age of 55. He was the lead singer of Metal Church on their Blessing in Disguise album, Human Factor, Hanging in the Balance, their uh, 11 album and Damned If You Do albums. Just a, a great list of of work that uh, we'll, we'll sorely miss for all us metal fans. Speaking of metal fans, editor of Metal Edge, Jerry Miller passed away at the age of 67 this year. And uh, that's a look at everybody we lost in the world of horror, fantasy, and sci-fi, whether it's film, TV, books, and music that, uh, that passed away. I'm, I'm sure I probably missed some, and if I do, my apologies, but those are some of the some of the ones I remember. Now, as I said, this was a, a big year for Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop 2021, and because it was our first year, right? not even a full year, uh, just uh, several months into to doing this podcast but uh here we're going to talk about uh some of the things uh, that really uh made me smile about doing this podcast and, and one is being able to see you know when you do a podcast you check out the analytics trying to see who's who's listening to to what you have to say and it was very exciting to see you know we had uh, nine countries around the world somebody from nine countries around the world have listened to me of course the u.s brazil russia india germany france France, UK, Ireland, Laos, just some of the some of the places where people are listening to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. 
and we've had some some big episodes. Uh, you know, when you start a podcast, you wonder who's actually going to listen to you. You know, if I get like 15 listeners, you know, I'm going to be happy with that. And uh, luckily, you know, I don't, I haven't had any episodes with just 15 listeners or 15 plays, but, uh, but we've had, you know, uh, there's a lot of room for growth, a lot of room for improvement on my part as a podcaster. But uh, here are the top five episodes as far as the most listens we got in 2021. Coming in at number Number five was my very first full episode on Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. And I was really hesitant to do this one because I was like, is it horror, fantasy, and sci-fi enough? It's it's a Marvel film, but is it enough? Uh, but a lot of people listen to it. Uh, Black Widow uh, coming in number four. Uh, a personal story for me uh, was our ghost stories from the shopkeeper where I recounted uh, during the month of October as we got close to Halloween, I recounted some of the uh, supernatural events that have happened to me personally in my life, which uh, got a lot of got a lot of plays out of that. Of course, Midnight Mass. The review I did on that Netflix series came in at number three. Uh, number two was a, a fun episode, a long episode uh, for yours truly. I had to cut it down quite a bit because we were over the uh, the length with which I could uh, I could download or upload something on my my podcasting platform. But Michael Myers comes to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, a Halloween franchise recap, uh, was the second most listened to episode, and oddly enough, my f- number one. Most listened to episode of 2021 was Anthrax, the Among the Living graphic novel review. I'm a big fan of graphic novels, along with uh, you know horror, fantasy, and sci-fi movies and TV shows and music and stuff like that. You know, I love books, and graphic novels are kind of like that perfect uh, mixture of visual and and the written word. And I was so excited when Anthrax was, you know, celebrating their 40th anniversary by releasing this graphic novel. Uh, each song on the album, they have a story that corresponds with that. Uh, and they had different artists and different storytellers come and write and illustrate uh, all these different stories, uh, one for each of the songs of the album. It was a very cool concept. I enjoyed it so much. I enjoyed doing that episode so much because I got to talk about, you know, horror, fantasy, sci-fi, that sort of stuff, and music as well. So that uh, that was our most listened to episode in 2021. So I uh, was very excited to uh, to see that and excited to, to see what's to come in 2022. Hopefully uh, we get more listeners as we go on. And please share this with anybody that you know that loves horror, fantasy, sci-fi, TV shows, movie. I don't get to talk about books as much as I would like to. Uh, Maybe in the beginning of the year when things are kind of slowing down as far as movies and TV shows go, maybe I'll get to talk about some of the the books and the short stories that I love and, and some of the things I'm reading right now. I don't get to read as often as I could or should or would like to, but, uh, but we'll talk about some of that in the coming year. But please, uh, if you know anybody that loves horror, fantasy, and sci-fi, please share this podcast with them. I just want to reach as many people as possible. Hopefully enjoy the the things with which I talk about and the way with which I talk about them. And uh, like I said, I'm always looking to improve myself as a podcaster. So uh, looking for 2022 to, to do just that, to, to improve my presentation, to improve the content 
and see where I can take this podcast in more directions and bigger directions and more enjoyable directions and entertaining directions. So that's that's what I'm looking forward to in 2022. Now, as we wrap up this episode, I uh, got a little bit of a surprise review for you, a couple surprise reviews for you. Uh, I wasn't planning on doing review. Actually, one of these movies I was planning on doing a review for until I found out I couldn't watch it in my local movie theater and had to, had to at the last minute, do another episode to, to fill that spot. The other movie I did not plan to do a review for, uh, but, but they both kind of lend themselves to the same thing. We had two uh, apocalyptic movies come out just before Christmas. And while they deal with similar content, so to speak, uh, they do it in different ways. And, and they both did them as dark comedies, which I, I'm always about that. I, I love a good dark comedy, especially when you add uh, some sort of horrific elements, apocalyptic element to it. I think it, it can be fun. It can be good for satire. But but there's one that did it in a way that was kind of hokey and the other that did it in a way that was subtle and very slick and I didn't enjoy one I enjoyed the other now the the first one is the movie Don't Look Up starring Leonardo DiCaprio Jennifer Lawrence Meryl Streep's in it Kate Blanchett just a, an all-star list uh, of actors in this. Uh, the whole premise is that Jennifer Lawrence's character discovers a comet heading towards Earth. Leonardo DiCaprio is her, her professor, and they go to tell the world and the U.S. government that this, this comet is heading towards Earth and it's going to be an extinction-level event, and nobody will listen to them, and nobody will take them serious. And when they do take them serious, it's all about profits and money and politics. And this is a, an Adam McKay directed film and it's very much in adam mckay's style and it's all about here are the two political parties and the comically unrealistic ways in which they would handle this disaster and the political party i support i'm going to cast them in a more favorable light while still poking a little fun at them and then this other side that i don't like i'm going to make them look like a bunch of boobs and it just, it, it, don't get me wrong, it was definitely funny. It definitely had some some horrific moments. That, that moment when you realize everybody is going to die, they're not going to fix this. Uh, it's very sobering. But there was just so much of the politics in this that I didn't enjoy. Jonah Hill is in this, and Jonah Hill plays the same character in every movie he's in. And it's a character I don't like it's a person that i don't like it's not a redeemable character and, and i'm sure that's probably not him as a person but i'm tired of seeing jonah hill play the same character in every freaking movie he's in because it is so grating and so annoying i've heard different places saying this is a flawless movie and i don't know it's probably because it, it paints one political party's followers as dumb hillbillies and the other is the intellectuals and the smart people uh, the people that subscribe to that sort of idiotic uh, thinking, that high-minded thinking, probably think this is a flawless movie. But it is full of flaws. It is so freaking long. There were times where I was like, please, God, let this comic come and kill everybody to end this movie. It's so long. They could have made this a, an hour and 30 minutes, and it would have been just fine. 
Uh, Adam McKay put in a lot of like montages of of hummingbirds and animals roaring and and flowers and you know showing life on Earth and all the things we take for granted. I, I don't know if those montages were supposed to be uh, thought provoking or ironic or whatever it was, but th- the movie just wasn't done succinctly. It was super heavy handed with the political satire and it was just way too long. It felt like satire in the sense of Mad Magazine. It it felt like a Mad Magazine bit, which can be funny, but after a while, it's like, okay, okay, I get it. Now, the other film that had an apocalyptic look at the holiday season uh, that came out, I actually wanted to do a review on this, but like I said, I couldn't find this in my local movie theater, so I had to wait until I could rent it. But uh, Silent Night is another uh, British black comedy, dark comedy, starring Keira Knightley. Of course, everybody knows Keira Knightley. Matthew Good. My wife knows Matthew Good because she watches all those The Crown and Downton Abbey. Uh, I know Matthew Good from uh, The Watchmen in 2009 played uh, Ozymandias and I'm looking forward to watching him I've, I've not started watching that uh, Discovery of Witches series uh, but it's a show I've always wanted to watch and I know he plays a, a lead role in that so I'm really excited to, to see him in that but but he does a lot of stuff like down Downton Abbey I always call it Downtown Abbey to make fun of <laughs> to make fun of it in front of my wife but Downton Abbey and the crown he does a lot of stuff like that but it also has uh, Shape Dirisu. Of course, you, you know him from Gangs of London. He has also done some... I, I've never watched that. Another show I'd like to watch, but uh, he's been in uh, Black Mirror, which I, I love him in that, and, and some other things. Johnny Depp's daughter, uh, Lily Rose Depp, is in it. Annabelle Wallace. Some really good actors. Uh, and uh, probably one of the best actors in this is Roman Griffin Davis, who plays the oldest son of this this main family that we we get to see he plays the oldest son art and funny thing is that he has twin brothers in this movie hardy and thomas uh, those are his actual brothers in real life hardy and gilby griffin davis and why are all these griffin davis boys in this movie well because their mother camille griffin is is the director of this and uh, i gotta imagine that probably was pretty interesting uh for her to direct uh, all three of her or three of her boys in this but uh but roman griffin davis uh, just carried this movie and was so spectacular in it. Uh, the whole premise is, is that there's this poisonous cloud sweeping over the over the world. Uh, it's coming to Great Britain, and this family, uh, Nell and Simon and their boys, Arch, and the, the twins are having everybody over to this place for one last Christmas, all their friends that have been like family to them. And they're all coming over and it's a celebration and it's an airing of grievances. And it is a, uh, you know, what's to come? Do the kids know? Should they know? The kids, of course, you know, they're on the internet. They know what's going on. But the government has provided everybody with what is called an exit pill. And you're supposed to take this and it'll put you to sleep and you'll die before this poisonous cloud comes and you have these nervous convulsions and you eventually start hemorrhaging from everywhere and die. The young boy Art says, what if the scientists got it wrong? We're going to kill ourselves and he doesn't want to die. Uh, he doesn't want to die like that. He doesn't want his parents to kill him. And it really, it really plays a lot on 
the idea of the political aspect of it. You know, one side believes it's the Russians. The Russians are all doing this. Uh, the Russians are sending this poison gas. The other side believes that, oh, it's the environment. Greta Thunberg was right. It's the environment uh, lashing out at us. They never say why this poisonous gas cloud is coming. Uh, just the speculation that you would get from different political parties. So there's a political element to this, but it's done more subtly. It's done more deftly than the hit-you-over-the-head mag mad magazine style of political satire that you got with Don't Look Up. This was subtle, and it didn't take you out of the movie, and it made it enjoyable. The bits of comedy where you get these, these people sniping at each other, airing these grievances of, of past wrongs, but then yet again forgiving each other because they know this is the last night uh, that they're going to be on this earth. Having the, the Christmas dinner and trying to put on these brave faces, knowing that impending doom is coming. Uh, the, the father, played by Matthew Good. His name is Simon. Uh, the the pain that he portrays in knowing that he is not going to be able to protect his family, and that he's going to have to sit here and give his kids uh, suicide pills uh, so they don't die a horrific death is is just brutal. I mean, this is a this is a tough. There were some sad moments of realization of impending doom and don't look up, but this whole movie it just has that feel to it. And it, it gets a little, you get bits of comedy here and there, uh, the sniping, uh, the one, the one woman talking about how, uh, she, she's seen the road and she, she can't live like that. Well, well, just, it cracked me up, but you get those little bits of comedy, but it doesn't take away from me. It's not slapsticky. Uh, like I said, mad magazine style comedy. It's very, uh, very deft British humor. Uh, that dry sarcasm, that biting humor that you expect from, from a lot of British comedies. And it didn't take away from the tone of the movie, which was very nihilistic. I mean, this this is a sad movie. It, it made me uh, <laughs> well up with tears uh, a couple times with this, you know, these, these people and these families knowing that they're going to die and that they're going to have to watch their kids die or let their kids die because they, they don't want them to face a worse death. So it really was a great combination of a nihilistic, apocalyptic, everyone is going to die, there is not going to be a happy ending type of film, uh, mixed with some political satire, some comedy. It was just done really well. And for all of the stupidity of Adam McKay's Don't Look Up, this one had more heart to it. And it felt, while less bigger in scope, you have this family on this isolated estate, uh, whereas Don't Look Up, it's a very worldwide thing that you you get to, to view. Even though Silent Night is much smaller in its point of view, the stakes felt bigger. You felt like you cared more uh, about what was happening to these people. And that, to me, just made it a, a much more meaningful film. And like I said, it wasn't over-the-top stupid comedy. It was very... Uh, subtle comedy, which, you know, when you're trying to do something and playing the whole, the whole apocalypse of it all, uh, I think works better. Silent Night is by no means a flawless film, but I would consider that more of a flawless film than Don't Look Up. Anybody that says Don't Look Up is flawless, they got some flaws in their way of thinking. Now, I am going to spoil something. So if you don't want to hear me spoil this, uh, spoil the ending. 
of Silent Night. Uh, fast forward, but I, I do want to talk about this ending uh, because it really holds a lot uh, for for what's going on right now. And I don't know what they're trying to say, but uh, but it was an interesting way to end this. So uh, if I'm only going to take a couple minutes, so if you want to fast forward to to my final thoughts on the year, do that. If you want to you want to sit here and you don't care if shit spoiled for you, f that. I'm not listening anyway, then you've been warned, but I'm glad you're sticking around anyway. So the whole idea is that when this gas cloud comes, uh, you breathe it in, you get these like nervous twitches, convulsions, and then all of a sudden you start hemorrhaging blood from your mouth and nose and eyes and stuff like that. And then you die. And the kid, Art, uh, doesn't want to take the pill, doesn't want to die. He ends up running off and with his father chasing him as this cloud's coming and he gets exposed to this, this poisonous gas and essentially dies before everyone takes the pill. And everyone has taken this pill. There's the shot of everybody lying in bed with their loved ones. Very Titanic, the old couple lying in bed waiting to drown sort of thing. And everyone is dead. This cloud has come and gone. And we see, you know, they they have art in the bed with them, all covered in blood from his mouth and nose and eyes. And the music's playing. And just before we cut to black, his eyes open up. <laughs> and it, it's kind of a, he was right. What if the scientists were wrong? He says that. And he's obviously not dead so were the scientists wrong and i know there's a lot of debate right now especially with covid uh about the the quote unquote the science and who to believe who not to believe i i don't know if they were trying to make a statement about that but draw whatever conclusions you want i still enjoyed the movie it felt very timely i will be interested to hear from the filmmakers as to, to what they were trying to say with this movie and with the ending of this movie. So there you have it. There's my look at 2021 here at Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. And it's been a it's been an interesting year. Like I said, uh, we've only been doing this this podcast since August. And it's been it's been pretty interesting just the few months that we've been doing this. I can't wait to get a full year of of doing this podcast under my belt. A lot of things to talk about, of course, coming up in 2022. Uh, first two episodes, we're going to be doing the Witcher episode that I promised you. Going to recap season two of The Witcher uh, coming up on Monday. And then on Thursday's episode, we're going to talk about the Amazon Prime series, The Wheel of Time, which uh, very, very much in the same vein as The Witcher, that kind of medieval fantasy. Uh, a lot to look forward to. We'll have a complete schedule of the month of January coming out as soon as possible. Not a whole lot going on to kick off the year as far as movies and, and new TV shows, but uh, going to come up with some things to talk about and, and see where the, the new year takes us. But I want to thank everyone again for listening to this podcast in 2021. Look forward to 2022. Hopefully you stick with us. And like I said, I'm going to do everything I can to, to make myself better as a podcaster, to make the podcast better as a, an entertainment experience for you. And thank you again for, for listening and taking the time to hear what I have to say. Uh, please check out our Facebook fan page, Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, for all the latest uh, trailers from TV shows and movies coming out. Always looking for articles to uh, entertain you from, from various sources that I find all over the internet and a whole lot more. So uh, please do that. 
like this podcast, subscribe, share it, uh, give us your reviews. Uh, five stars would be awesome, but whatever you give us would be greatly appreciated. And want to thank you again for a uh, for a great 2021. Happy New Year, and God bless everyone as we head into 2022. Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Ha 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 ha!